Well, good morning, and welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. At my age, I'm glad to be anywhere. Uh, and so greetings to those of you who've joined us online. And Nancy, thank you and your family. That was great. Uh, thank you, Van. James, welcome back. How did we look in live and in color? Did we look good in live and in color? All right, all right, all right. Well, the, the, the news about this new surge of COVID-19 is so discouraging, and we think, well, here we go again. So today and the next week, I, I think of all that's been going on that we need to encourage our hearts in the Lord. Amen. And so to this week, I'm going to talk about how to keep your head up when life gets you down. And then next week, I'm going to talk about a power failure. Have you ever just had an emotional and spiritual power failure? And you just thought, oh. So we'll talk about that uh, next week. My text today is 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, if you want to turn there, 2 Corinthians 4. And uh, I am using, I'm using today, I'm using the the New Living Translation instead of the one I normally use because I think this one says it best. So 2 Corinthians 4, and let's begin with verse 1. Therefore, since God in His mercy has given us this new way, we never lose heart. Then go down to verse 8. This is the text for today. We are pressed on every side by troubles. But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we are under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that, we, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Down to verse 16. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are, are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Here it is. So we do not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. And that's the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, be our strength. And Lord, when times are hard, be our confidence that today's troubles will pass. And together we shall journey through them and through this present darkness, growing wiser 
we end by experiencing you in new in new ways. Father, I pray that you would settle our fears in the face of the new surge. And Father, bring to all those who are now ill with COVID healing and strength and restore them. And Father, thank you for returning James to us. Thank you his mom's doing well. And Father, we pray that you will just stop this surge before it gets out of hand. Father, today we pray for our brothers and sisters in Haiti, circumstances beyond their control. And we're thankful for those who are on the ground, helping them to rebuild their lives and to bring some peace to them. And Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. We pray for the church in Afghanistan. Save them from Father terrorist. And Father, bless the efforts of those who are trying to get them out. Protect our troops and particularly our Levi. Now pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear. Because we pray to you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. The most sacred symbol in Oklahoma City is a tree. An 80-year-old American elm. Tourists come from miles around to look at it. They come to pose and have their picture made beneath it. And the abortists try to keep it from, from any disease and protect it. She adorns letterheads and posters. Other trees in that city are larger and they're fuller and they're greener. But there is not another tree in that city is more cherished than that tree. Not because of its appearance, but because of its endurance. That old elm tree endured the Oklahoma City bombing. On April the 19th in 1995 at 9.02 in the morning, Timothy McVeigh parked his truck that was filled with bombs right in front of her. His bomb killed 168 people. 19 of them were children. 680 were wounded. The Murray Federal Building was destroyed and buried the tree in the rubble, and no one expected the tree to survive. Matter of fact, no one even thought about that tree. Standing there with its branches stripped, no one even gave it a thought. And then she began to bud. Sprouts pressed through the damaged bark. Green leaves began to come through all that soot and soot that was on it. And out of what seemed death, life came. And people noticed. Because that tree modeled the resilience that the victims of the Oklahoma City bombing really desired to have in them. And they named that old tree the Survivor Tree. Look at this video. I like the name, American Elm. I think that, that says it all. It's a strong tree. The thing about this very special tree is that 
and has seen so much in downtown Oklahoma City just since the time it was a little bitty seedling in somebody's front yard. No one knows how it ended up there, putting down roots in a parking lot miles from any forest. It's probably around 100 years old, but that's just a guess. As it grew, it was bent by the Oklahoma wind and should have been broken by the massive truck bomb that exploded here on April 19, 1995. The tree, anchored at ground zero, was only yards away. Now, there is a grandness that has spread throughout. Its branches have embraced every cycle of life, proof that when all seems lost, there can be rebirth. A reminder to never give up on living. A tree of life that daily shares with all its astounding story of healing, resilience, and survival. I have a real affinity for the survivor tree. I worked in this building and would walk under that tree almost every day for about five years. The tree was um, just an abomination of a tree. It was one big trunk, small other trunk coming out like this in a few twigs for branches. I'd walk under that tree and I'd think, you are so ugly. Why is this tree still standing? I pass under that tree now. I say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you have taught me such a wonderful lesson. It is not what is on the outside, it is what is on the inside of each one of us. The fact that this tree was, was able to withstand everything, I think it, I think it knew it had something bigger than it, than it was destined to be. In my heart, that, that's how I, I really feel the spirit of this tree lived and continues to live. It's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. What would it take for us to be as resilient as the survivor tree? When life blows up, what would it take for us to withstand the explosion and the hardship of life and not only survive, but then thrive? Now, sooner or later, we're going to be roughed up by life, uh, let alone this hell-bent world in which we live. And, and when this happens, what do we do? What do we do? How can we keep our head up when life just absolutely knocks us down? And it's a fact of life that you are either in a crisis coming out of a crisis are going into a crisis. That's just the way life is. So what do we do then? Look at the text again, verses 8 and 9. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Let's begin with this. When life knocks you down, don't be surprised. 
Life will knock you down, and when it does, don't be surprised. Just expect it. And in this text, Paul gives us four powerful words to show us exactly how life knocks us down. He begins by saying we are pressed. In other words, we are pressured. It's in the present tense, which means that it just keeps coming. The pressure continues. And we will always have pressure. Someone or something will always be putting pressure on us. Whether it's our finances or whether it's a family responsibility, our job or our health, and this crisis that we've been in now for almost two years that we've lived under, we constantly live under pressure. It's a fact of life. Notice he says we are perplexed. Now perplexed means to be without resources. Has there ever come a time in your life when your life was just back against the wall and you thought, where do I turn from here? We are hunted. In other words, we are persecuted. Now that means that somebody will be on our case at times, whether we like it or not. Whether it's your first grader who met the bully this week for the first time on the school playground. Or maybe it's us adults who somebody has just simply got us in their crosshairs and we do not know why. Why are they doing this to me? And then he says, notice we are knocked down. We are put down. Now, remember in junior high, don't call it junior high anymore, but remember junior high, one of your buddies would be talking to a girl and another one of you would go up behind him and get down on the all fours and then another one would push him on the chest and he'd fall over, legs go up in the air, and he would be totally embarrassed in front of this girl. That's exactly the word that's used here. To put down. It, it, it's, it's to have somebody that you trusted unexpectedly cut your legs out from beneath you. This is real life. Real life is experiencing pain Stress by being pressured, perplexed, persecuted, and put down. That is life. And when that happens to you, don't be surprised. The second truth I want to put out of this text is when life knocks you down, keep praying. And you think, oh, well, D, we got up this morning, done all this stuff to our body in order to get here. And you just tell us to keep praying. Oh, that sounds so Sunday school. Couldn't you, couldn't you give us something a little deeper, something a little more profound? Well, no, not really. <laughs> but maybe Richard Baxter's comment out of his great book, Prayer, will help us to understand prayer a little better and why it is so important when we are knocked down. Look what Richard Foster says. Nothing is more central to the spiritual life than prayer. Get this sentence. For prayer ushers us into perpetual communion with the heart of God. But we must beware of making things too complicated. Little children coming to their parents, so we come to God. There is awe, to be sure, but there is also intimacy. We bring our heart cries to a loving father, like a mother hen who gathers her chick under her wings, so our God cares for us and protects us and comforts us. 
So no matter how much we study the challenging realities of prayer, here it is. Let us never forget that we come as children to a loving Abba. That is Aramaic for father. A loving father who delights to give us and to give and to comfort us. Now that is exactly what Paul is saying in this text. He said, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. That is when he was stoned. <laughs> That's a bad term. <laughs> Paul was stoned at Lystra. That's a bad term, but that's what happened. He was drug out of the city and stoned. Takes on a different connotation nowadays, doesn't it? And left for dead. And he saw this most glorious, glorious revelations. He said, I can't even tell you about them. But then he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works better in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work in me. Three times he said, I begged the Lord to take it away. So how do you keep your head up when life gets you down? You just keep praying. Now, Paul didn't just pray about the thorn in the flesh. He said, I begged the Lord to take it. A strong word. And how did God answer Paul each time? My grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. Paul, I understand your problem. But my grace is all you need. Now, folks, this is because God knows exactly how we feel. He has been here, remember? Hebrews 4, this high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weakness, for he faced all the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus has been there. You ever had a spouse or a family member or a friend to betray you? Jesus understands betrayal. Two of his friends betrayed him. Peter denied him three times. Jesus knows the pain of disappointment. I came to my own and they would not receive me. Jesus knows physical pain like nobody else. Just look at the cross. Jesus understands our family problems. His own mother, brothers and sisters came to where he was teaching to take him home because they thought he was crazy. Now, if you ever doubt that God understands what you are going through, know that he has been here and he knows us. He identifies with us. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I like the way the message translates it. The, world, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Hmm. That's exactly what God did. The reality of life is that it is going to knock the stuffings out of us at times. And like the Apostle Paul, we pray and God says, My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. So keep praying. So what happens when we pray? What happens when we pray? Look at look what the text says. Verse 7. 
even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, to keep me from becoming proud. Proud of all these messages are all what I had seen when I was caught up to the third heaven. Understand Paul is saying, I prayed about my pain, and in my praying, I got a new insight. I got a new perspective on why I had that pain. God gave me that pain to keep me from being proud. And then praying gives us power. Look what Paul says. Each time I said my grace is, each time, I said, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Even when I am weak, then I am strong. God is best at demonstrating his power in our lives when we come to the end of our rope. Now you may hear me tell you sometimes, tie your knot of faith and hang on, because it's going to be a rough ride. And when it comes to that, God shows up in his power. When you simply do not know what to do, when grief is just crushing the life out of you, and when we don't know how to even get out of the bed in the morning, God's power can show up in incredible comfort that cannot be explained. When the biopsy isn't good and you're scared to death, when your marriage is on the rocks and you don't see humanly how it's going to survive. I don't know who said this, but it's a great quote. You will never know that Jesus is all you need until he's all you've got. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Jesus, you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until he's all you got. So when life gets you down, just keep praying. Praying gives us a new perspective on what we are going through. And in that praying, praying, we can hear God say, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. All right, let's do our little break and do a review. When life knocks you down, don't be surprised. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And when life knocks you down... Keep praying. And then according to our text, when life knocks you down, just keep getting up. Just keep getting up. Look at verses 8 and 9. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Paul is saying, I have been pressured, persecuted, perplexed, put down, but I am not broken. I will not give in. I won't quit. I will keep getting up. William Barclay was a great Scottish New Testament scholar, and he said, the supreme characteristic of the Christian is not that he does not fall, but every time he falls, he rises again. It's not that he is never beaten, but he is never ultimately defeated. He may lose the battle, but he knows in the end he will never lose the war. 
So keep praying. Keeping our head up. When, it got, when, we, when, it, when we're just down, boils down to one word. And prayer helps this. Perseverance. Perseverance. Now perseverance means that you bear up under the load. When life is just crushing the life out of you. You bear up under the load. I'm reading the new biography on Churchill. It's 982 pages and I've got a way to go. <laughs> Churchill said a lot of wonderful things. But he said when you're going through hell, go through it. Isn't that good? When you're going through hell, just go through it. Let me tell you a true story. Now all my stories are true. But this, let me tell you a true story. This is about a little dog named Oscar. When Oscar was about six months old, he, his owner was uprooting some plum trees, and Oscar was running around and yelping and barking, and all of a sudden it is quiet. And Oscar's owner thinks, I have buried Oscar. Well, he digs out and he finds Oscar, gets him out, cleans him off. Oscar shakes it off. And Oscar survived being buried alive. Later he was bitten on the forehead by a rattlesnake, but Oscar survived. It wasn't long after that he was run over by one of these large industrial mowers. Got all those blades. Oscar went through that thing and survived. After that he, he had kidney failure. So now Oscar does doggy dialysis once a week, but he survived. He was out with the boys and they were chasing and shooting jackrabbits and Oscar got a little too close and one of the fellows did not lead far with the aim and a 22 shell bullet went through Oscar's shoulder down his leg and blew off his toes. But Oscar survived. Oscar was hit by a car, put out his right eye, but Oscar lived. Because he was blind on this side, he was hit by another car. <laughs> And broke two of his legs. But Oscar survived. Ever felt like Oscar? <laughs> Ever felt like Oscar? I saw an ad in a book that said this. <laughs> Lost one dog. Blind in one eye. Three legs, no tail. Recently neutered. Answers to the name of Lucky. Ever felt like lucky? <laughs> Regardless of how difficult life may be, giving in or giving up guarantees one thing, failure. Jesus said, by your endurance you will gain life. Now the word endurance there is the same word as perseverance. Perseverance. During the summer of 2019, you know we couldn't go anywhere. We could just go to the sidewalk, and that was about as far as we could go. I read three biographies by George Washington, about George Washington. The best one was by Joseph Ellis. It's just called His Excellency. George Washington believed that this country was founded, and these are his words, on the abiding core of perseverance. Because his Continental Army was 
untrained and underfunded and underfed and underequipped. They were outmanned in every way by the British, but they persevered. Ellis said this, Washington not only saluted their suffering at Valley Forge, but also recognized their staying power as the decisive factor in the eventual victory, American victory. This, this was George Washington's, what he lived by. A central truth in George Washington's life was survive and you will succeed. And it seemed to be holding true in the months after Valley Forge. Survive and you will succeed. Maybe Washington learned that from Jesus who said, if you're looking for life, you have to persevere. You have to keep getting up. You have to stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. That's how you keep getting up. Paul said, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. In that verse it tells us, once we make contact with Jesus and we are forgiven, Jesus comes in and lives inside of us and then we participate in Christ's perseverance and in Jesus' name we press on. I had a funeral last week and they sung a song that I had only heard once before but I had forgotten it. And uh, it's, by, it's called the Untitled Hymn. Do you all know that? Ever by Chris, by Chris Rice? It's a, it's, a great, it's a great song. And it, it says, And like a newborn baby, don't be afraid to crawl. And remember when you walk, sometimes we fall. Fall on Jesus. Fall on Jesus. Fall on Jesus and live. Have you heard that? Have you heard that song? And then it says, sometimes the way is lonely and, the, and steep and filled with pain. So if your sky is dark and pours the rain, and I like this, then cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus. Cry to Jesus and live. And I think that's how we keep going. We stay connected to Jesus. But there is another secret to it. How do we persevere? Staying connected to Jesus, that's a given. But stay connected to God's people. Stay connected to God's people. Hebrews says, you should not stay away from church as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other, especially since you know the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. Folks, remember, as we said during the series on encouragement, we come here. We come here, yes, to worship, but we come here to encourage one another, to put life into one another, to put love into one another. Send us out of there to do another week. Stay connected to God's people when life gets you down. When life gets difficult, don't drop out of church. I've seen it so many times. Don't cut yourself off from the source of encouragement. The church, this community of believers is a healing place. It's a place of love. It's a place of comfort. 
And when life gets hard, don't cut yourself off from this. Don't cut yourself off from the encouragement that's available through your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So how do you, how do you keep your head up when life gets you down? <laughs> Don't be surprised. It's going to happen. Life's going to try to knock you out. Keep praying. Prayer connects us to the power of God's grace. And when life blows up, and it will, will we withstand the explosion? Will we just thrive or survive, or will we thrive? And like that old elm tree that became the survivor tree, not only did it survive, it thrived. Keep getting up. Keep getting up, because in Jesus' name, we press on. Come sing it for us, Evan.
Thank you, Evan. In Jesus' name, we press on. Let's pray. Father, all of us know what it means to have problems and pain. All of us know what it's like to have difficulties. But we're grateful for your plan for us. And Father, these uncommon times just seem to continue. So help us to lean into your grace. And through prayer and your word, give us a new perspective on our difficulties, knowing that as we pray, we connect to your power and to your grace. And give us the ability to press on in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we press on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus, and all God's people join me and said, Amen. We believe in offering an invitation at Bellevue, and we offer an invitation, several invitations. Our main invitation is for you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior if you never have. I just don't know how people get on these days without what we've talked about to you. I just don't understand how people stay on their feet during these times without a power not their own. That power comes when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let him, let him take away all that gunk in your life. Give you his life. Give you his forgiveness, his grace. Our second invitation is for you to obey the Lord in Christian baptism if you never have. Our third invitation is for you to become a member of the Bellevue Baptist Church. You know what we're about. You've been visiting here. It's time maybe that you became a member. And then if you would like for us to pray with you, we would be more than happy to meet you here pray with you. I'll be down front. I'll help you make those decisions. Let's stand and sing.